0: Cool. Hel- Hello, everyone. <laughs> oh, <sorry. laughs> Hello everybody and welcome back to another episode of the Plus Dave podcast, the Tottenham Hotspur theme show brought to you by a team of Spurs fans and a Leeds fan called Dave. We are coming to you after a few games, after a slight delay. Apologies for those of you who've been waiting around for this episode, but fear not, we're going to have quite a few games to talk about. We're going to give you a bit of a blockbuster episode today. I do say we are a team of Spurs fans, but that's not really accurate today because there's just two Spurs fans today, Elio and myself, and Dave as always makes it another consecutive episode so welcome guys thanks for joining me i'll come to you first dave first of all congratulations for leeds who actually won a game today how are you feeling uh yeah we won
1: a game hi everyone <laughs> nice to be here i'm thrilled that we won i mean a lot's happened i'm not gonna yeah. lie to you a lots happened since we last talked for both teams so we've got a lot to get mm. through but for today yes i mean i'm not sure my heart or my fitbit can uh can deal <laughs> with another nine games like the one today so hopefully yeah. we'll uh we'll either just like easily beat or easily get beaten for the next nine games. Hopefully a bit of both yeah. and we'll be fine. Hopefully.
0: This might be the first episode in a while where you've been in a better mood than everyone else, to be honest with you. It, it does yeah, help I'm that still, you're I'm still grasping sad. a glass I'm, of wine.
1: Yeah, I'm still yeah. sad and I am still technically now a uh, a widow of Bielsa. Which is, yeah. which is sad, but you we'll, know. we'll touch on that in a minute, because I mean, we didn't get a chance to
0: properly discuss it last time. Also joining me is Elio. Elio, welcome back. I know you, you hate doing these podcasts when we've just lost. We all do a little bit, but how are you feeling today? Are you recovering? Um,
2: A lot's happened in the last couple of weeks since mm. our last recording, and I'm getting to a point of acceptance that this is just what this season is, and... Mm. I'm kind of ready for it to finish to tell you the truth so that we can see what Spurs look like with a couple of signings and a good preseason with Conte because I think even the most optimistic of Spurs fans of which I usually count myself amongst would accept that plan A isn't going to happen this side of the summer.
0: I feel like you're slowly becoming gradually more and more cynical as the years start Hmm. to chip away at you Elio. I feel like I remember a time when you were probably the quintessential optimistic Spurs fan every year, you thought we had a shot at winning the league when we were hopeless. Now, I'm worried about you, I'll be honest. I thought you are going down a dark path.
2: Well, it's more a case of, I've seen this movie many, many times, fallen asleep to it even more times, and now I'm just ready to wake up to something better and hoping that I do. (laughs) Spurs is a little bit like back in ancient Greek myth, There was, on Aphrodite's island, Cyprus, which is obviously where our families hail from, there was an artist called Pygmalion who absolutely detested love until he sculpted this absolutely perfect marble embodiment of the most beautiful woman imaginable, and he fell in love with it. And no matter what he could do... He always touched it and it was always stone. No matter how much potential for love there was with this marble statue, he'd always touch it and instead of feeling flesh it would just be stone. That's like Spurs. It's the ultimate unrequited love. One day Aphrodite took pity on him after he went and prayed and begged her at her temple and brought the stone to life but something tells
1: me that Daniel Levy's not going to do that for us because he's not a goddess of love. He's a very sensible little man. Elliot, about 15 minutes ago you were saying all right guys let's make this a short sharp concise podcast (laughs) and let's get out the door now you're talking about Pygmalion Pick a side, mate.
0: (laughs) I I love this. This is why we're the highest-brow Spurs podcast on the web. You know, we're the poshest Spurs podcast. Dave's sipping his wine like a classy gentleman, and Elio's quoting ancient Greek philosophy and classics. So this is amazing. I love it. Let's keep it going. But as Dave has rightly said, there is a lot for us to get to, so we should probably start to get on with it. We've got to talk about three games. If you can cast your minds all the way back to that horrible game against Middlesbrough in the Cup that ended our dreams for a trophy this season. And then, of course, our best result of the season, let's not forget, it's not all doom and gloom, we did beat Everton 5-0, let's remember. You know, not exactly the best opposition is Everton, It is Frank Lampard, but we still did manage to score five goals and a very convincing performance. And we obviously had the Man United game, which did not go brilliantly. And Cristiano Ronaldo decided to roll back the years at the worst possible time for us. So we're going to talk about that. Of course, we've got a couple of games coming up as well. So our next match is away at Brighton on Wednesday, and we also have West Ham at home on Sunday. So big games. They're all big games at this point in the season, so we're going to talk about those in a bit of detail as well, plus a couple of other little bits and bobs and and challenge Elio and all the usual stuff to
2: round up with. So uh,
0: we're going to move through in chronological order. So uh, Elio, do you remember the Middlesbrough game, or have you completely wiped that from your memory now?
2: Um, I I remember it. I remember pretty much knowing what would happen from about the (laughs) fifth, sixth minute. It's just... (laughs) It was just Not one of those... Not Winks
0: on the team sheet.
2: <laughs> well, I always like to give things a bit of a chance, and it was lower league <laughs> opposition, technically. But to tell you the truth, if you want my most fresh and in-tune opinion on the Middlesbrough defeat just go back and find whatever I said about the Burnley defeating superimposer over this because it will likely (laughs) sound much the same we are not in a position either in terms of team fluidity and familiarity nor in terms of I guess quality to be able to consistently pick apart a stubborn side and Middlesbrough played their game to perfection. I guess the other thing is, though, that it wasn't just a case of a smash and grab after defending heavily against us. They deserved to it. We didn't actually create anything of notes. And uh, Mm. I find that quite unacceptable because even if we don't have the players that we need to have to play the best version of whatever Conte's vision of Spurs is, we definitely have... Better players than Middlesbrough, but we also do than Burnley and Wolves and Southampton. And now I'm just sounding exactly like I did in the last podcast when I made very (laughs) similar compliments, but. But it's true, and yep. it, I, I was upset after that one, as upset as I've been after a defeat in a while. Yeah, and
0: it's, I, I joked about Harry Winks, but it's not as if we put out a youth team either. I mean, for the most part, that looked like a team that was there to win, mm. and it, it looked like I was sending out a message that Conte was taking this competition seriously. And when I saw the lineup, and I don't know about you, but I thought, hey, this is good, he wants to win the FA Cup. He does, but the players didn't get the memo. The <laughs> players did not want to win the FA Cup. They probably didn't want the extra fixtures. But do you have anything to say about that game? Have you, uh, you got many comments on it? I can't remember if you said you watched it or not, because uh, I wouldn't blame you if you didn't. It was on TV, which is just wonderful. I, we love when Spurs I... get humiliated on
1: live TV. Yeah. I had it in the background. And then obviously, yeah. in, in true fashion, when the WhatsApp group blew up, I thought <laughs> I should probably <laughs> pay attention to, to this. Um, but yeah, yeah it's... Um... Well, it's a big opportunity missed for you guys, isn't it? And I think mm. I, I remember Elio saying, Well, that's our season over then as soon <laughs> as that game ended and Does sound like Elio. Yeah, it's hard to look past that, to be honest. I mean, getting excited about the next game is getting harder for you, I feel, because it just seems to be kind of trundling towards a summer where, hopefully, mm. you can rebuild and and reboot under Conte and and see what an actual summer with him can bring you. So it's a Absolutely. it's a tricky one, a, a real opportunity miss from my perspective. It
2: is, and and to tell you the truth, I listen. Uh, we've been in the Champions League. We finished fourth and third and second a few times, and it was great, but also kind of scratch that itch of playing the best teams. And I don't want to sound ungrateful for that. I loved it. I loved being at Wembley and seeing Messi firsthand at his best. I loved sort of going to a Champions League final, yeah. obviously. But I don't overly care anymore, as long as we're not sort of finishing muddling mid-table, which we may well do this season, obviously. But as long as we're not finishing <laughs> in a pathetic position, I'm not that bothered between sort of third, fourth, fifth, sixth, Anymore Like whether you get in Champions League Or Europa League Because ultimately Okay we'll get into the Champions League Probably go out in the quarters And whatever Like I'd much rather yeah. See us actually lift something And the FA Cup Just like the League Cup was Previously as well It was an opportunity mm-hmm. We had Middlesbrough Obviously we'd have drawn Chelsea In the next rounds Because they drew Chelsea In the next round And we always lose Chelsea But it just feels like Spurs are um are <sighs> The longer we go without winning anything, the harder it seems to be getting. And Mm. that is getting harder to console with tilts at getting champions league football or not yeah
0: it doesn't help that the entire football world seems obsessed with pointing out our lack of trophies and only our lack of trophies it's actually a tweet here just saying sky commentary pointing out spurs losing to borrow means another trophyless season for spurs that's 14 years and counting now waiting for the 27 years everton haven't won a trophy in next and it I, i know we all joke about the agenda and the conspiracies and stuff but It doesn't help, does it, that everyone just seems obsessed, especially with Harry Kane and talking about how he hasn't won anything in all that time. But this is the longest you've, well, all of us have gone, the Spurs fans, without seeing a trophy of our generation. Do you think that a good league position would make up for it or do you think at this point you just want to see silverware?
2: A good league position would make up for it to the extent that it would mean that we did have European football next year, to the extent that it would mean that we were finishing above other good sides, which is always nice.
0: And presumably playing good football in the process, hopefully.
2: Exactly. And winning more games than you lose. So no, a good league position goes some way to placate it, unless... I mean, you offer me a title challenge and finishing seconds over finishing Mm. ninth in an FA Cup. I'll still probably choose the title challenge and finishing seconds. But Mm. like I said, fourth, fifth, sixth, it's kind of all the same crap to me at the moment. It shows that you're a decent club and not quite an elite club. And winning an FA Cup is something that you don't forget. My best moment as a Spurs fan is still Woodgate's header. By far, nothing Mm. even comes close. I've
0: got a quote here. I've got a quote here from Twitter. Let me know if you can recognise this one. Not sure I can take much more of this from Spurs. Been to most matches since I was a toddler and the club has never been less enjoyable than this. At least in the awful 90s, Spurs felt like one big dysfunctional family. Now it just sucks the life out of you.
2: That is a very, very smart person. Probably very it good is, looking as well. I, I, I'd have to say <laughs> one of the best looking. Um, yeah, I, I, did, say that? That one, I did say that. Did you recognise that one, I did say that.
0: I mean, look, in it's fairness, that was in year, the right? heat of the moment. That was right after the Middlesbrough game. That's why I wanted to spring it on you. And I hesitate to quote you guys in the you know immediate aftermath of defeats. But I'm just curious to get your thinking on that because it's weird. Like there is something about being the underdog and just anything is a bonus. Whereas now there's an expectation, isn't there?
2: Absolutely. And it's very easy to then receive the accusation of, oh, you're entitled. Or you don't remember how bad it was in the 90s. No, I do remember how yeah. bad it was in the 90s. But I also saw this club get so close to kind of fulfilling that almost utopian vision of Mm. winning a Champions League or the league under Pochettino, having not had a sugar daddy murderer pumping money in and not being one of Arsenal, Liverpool, United, who are the three sort of biggest clubs in the country, sort of the aristocracy of football in this country. But actually doing things organically, buying smart, developing youth, Rose Walker, right. Deli Ali, Kane, Erickson, we got at 21. Like, I almost saw us fulfill that sort of almost unheard of yeah. way of getting to the top by doing things the sort of inverted commas yeah. right way and then it didn't happen mm. and it took 20 years under these owners yeah. to get to that point roughly or 1718 at the time that we left yeah. White Hart Lane and now within the space of a couple of seasons in the space of 10% of that time it's all just been pissed away yeah. and
0: the whole philosophy seems to
2: have gone almost and we're now praying to keep Doherty fit because he's better than the alternative
1: <laughs>
0: Dave, how sorry do you feel for us? Do you have any sympathy whatsoever or do you think we need to stop being so entitled and grow up and stop crying? Could be worse, right?
1: Uh, well, it certainly could be worse. <laughs> um, I I do have a little bit of sympathy. I think it's fascinating. Yeah. The actual kind of the spin that the media puts on this in the sense mm. that it becomes such a thing because it's, yeah. you know, there's not many trophies. Exactly. There's not yeah. much to win. Yeah. And, you know, we, we are probably talking about we're living in a time right now where we have probably, what, two of the four best teams in the history of the Premier League. Yeah. As well as the Invincibles and the the treble team. Mm. I mean, you know, it's quite an impressive thing. And, you know, anybody winning a trophy that isn't those guys is very impressive and good going. So I think I do feel sorry for you in the sense that it does kind of it feels like for you guys, and, you know, I'm not a Spurs fan, and I don't care about you guys. you um, uh, telling yourself fe- that. <laughs> but it does feel like they do rub it in a bit more than they need to sometimes. And the Spurs chat, but not the Everton chat. And yeah. I don't know, maybe maybe there's an Everton podcast at the same time going, oh, my God, what is it, 20, 30 years since uh, their last trophy? I think um, 27. It, 95, 27. Um, yeah. So, yeah. You Knocking know, us uh, out in the process. Maybe, right maybe all the podcasts in Everton are going, oh, it's just not good enough. Well, it's just not good enough right now now but that's you know some fat non-manager's fault um (laughs) so you know maybe they are saying it and maybe they listen to the media that rammed that down their throats i mean you know we at leeds we've got you know, we've been damned if we do and damned if we don't over the last couple of seasons. Saying, "Oh, the yeah. way that we're playing is not sustainable." Oh, how good they were they to finish ninth? Oh, I think Leeds might struggle in their second season. Oh, they're struggling. They, I don't know what's gone wrong. Well, you just said yeah. we were going to struggle, so you know, you got to make up your mind up. Mm-hmm. Um. So yeah, that, I mean, some of the flip-flopping on Match of the Day and other and other programs like that, you know, Sky Sports News, it's it's quite infuriating. And I have found myself shouting at the TV like a old man <laughs> shouts at clouds sometimes. And I try and I try and avoid it, but you know, sometimes it's difficult. To to because yeah. they pull in the strings because ultimately what is spot for if it's not to wind up every single football fan? Yeah, I'm sure every fan has rang up oh, them yeah. at some point and said what are you talking about? you absolute lunatic. And they've gone, cha-ching, we've done our job. Exactly. It's just clickbait and radio form, isn't it? Well,
0: look, at least they're talking about us, Dave, right? You know, it could be worse. At least at least we're relevant. You know, Leeds and Spurs. You sound, you sound like a Z-list celebrity, thanks. <laughs> <laughs> at least they're talking. Yeah. Am I yeah, relevant? Like, Let me Google myself. It's like Leeds just going on, I'm a celebrity, you know, with David <laughs> exactly. Um Well, look, Dave, I mean, while we're on Leeds quickly, I mean, I know we talked about it on the last episode because we were, we didn't know it at the time, but we were actually witnessing the final hours of Bielsa's reign and You know, I think you made a lot of your feelings pretty clear in light of the fact that it was probably about to happen, but obviously, he has since parted with Leeds, new manager in. What are your feelings overall on Bielsa's time at Leeds and the future?
1: Yeah, I was thrilled that my lowest ebb as a Leeds fan in the last four years was filmed in live HD <laughs> on, on the most perfect quality, yep. so you could feel you could feel the sadness in my tone. Yeah. It's like uh, that, that Simpsons
2: great. clip when Lisa lets down Ralph Wigger, at the costume <laughs> show or whatever it is, and you, you can, can pinpoint the the,
1: yeah, you can pinpoint the exact moment his heart breaks. That was what it was like yeah. with exactly, you two. Exactly, yeah, that was that was lovely, and I really appreciate. Mm. Came to film. Of guys, yeah, <laughs> um, great timing, but, but yeah, yeah, thumbs up to those guys, but yeah, um. It was sad. It was really sad. You know, the, the day after when it was announced, you know, my brother, who listens to this podcast quite a lot, was in a bad place. And, you know, we've had a couple of conversations since. It's yeah. It's been tough going, especially with the fact that, you know, it does seem like that you know the plan to replace him was already in place, apparently, after the Liverpool defeat. So it wasn't even a, a spare-of-the-moment thing. They'd already, you know, made contact with Jesse Marsh and asked him the questions as to whether he would be prepared to pick up now instead of at the end of the season, which apparently was the plan, mm. which... Which would have been nice if he'd have finished and they'd have survived. But it's over to Jesse Marsh now. We've got to focus on what we have to do. Um yeah. oh, sorry, I sound like a I sound like Jesse Marsh now. Um but um but yeah, it's a tricky one because yeah. he wasn't just a football manager. There is a website, I think it's called Gracias Bielsa, but essentially Leeds United supporters just set it up and they set it up for people just to post a message that they said they would definitely create in a book and send it over to Bielsa in uh, Rosario. And well, it got over 10,000 messages, basically. Oh wow! Um, And a lot of it was what I wrote, which was essentially on the lines of, I didn't like football anymore. When you Mm. joined this club, and now I love the club and I love the city, and you've renewed more than any manager would ever dream to renew in a lot of football fans. And it's not a football manager's job, but he did it anyway. And that's why it's been so difficult. You know, it it does feel like we've lost a loved one almost, Um, which I know, you know, I don't want to belittle people losing people who they love, but I mean, there was a special relationship there, a really special relationship that I don't think any other manager currently has with their teams mm. and and it's sad and and it also has completely removed the deflector shield that the board had they don't have that anymore you know mm. we're just a football club now and it's just a football club run by people who want to make money and they've put on a manager who they think can uh, turn it around now Leicester was promising but we lost Villa was awful and yeah. we got spats. Spa- Absolutely spanked or smashed? Spashed. Spashed. Spashed yeah. um, uh, against Villa. And then today we had to win. Yeah. And we won with a 94th minute goal by a 19-year-old. Yeah. So I I don't know what to make into that. But um yeah, we got Wolves on Friday. And if we can get anything from that, that'll be very impressive. But mm. it's now in our hands. And, yep. you know, that's good because it would be a real shame if Bielsa left and we went down. Because if Bielsa leaves and we stay up, in my mind, we preserve what Bielsa built. It can vindicate it as well.
0: I guess there's no higher praise than that, that he made you fall in love with football again. I mean, That's, that's all you have to really summarise it on, isn't it? And to be honest, yeah. because of who we are on Twitter, obviously with you in, in the podcast, we do see a lot of tweets from Leeds fans. And it seems like you know, he's just unbelievably popular. I've never seen something like that for a manager, especially for a manager that... Had just lost all those games, and it's kind of like it's hard yeah. to argue with the decision from a footballing perspective. But no, it's, it's, I it's think easy it's a to sad forget all of us. It's
1: easy to forget all of the things that have happened in the yeah. last four years. But Bielsa hasn't managed any other team in his career that long for more games than he's managed late. He's lasted a few weeks at some of them, hasn't he? And just quit. Well, Yeah, he's a bit of a at, Before three that. days at Lazio, that was it. But yeah. um, but, but you know, the longest stints mm. for New Orleans for Argentina, mm. you know, they were nowhere near as long as yeah. the and Bilbao, nowhere near as long as the period for Leeds, yeah and you know there, there was a tweet which sentimental bullshit but it actually yeah. made me go mm. um <laughs> it just it said um straight after the game somewhere in the living room next to an open fire in rosario bielsa is watching this and the final whistle goes and he just says went well, no. <laughs> <goes to> up <laughs> Very good. I don't want
2: to labour it too much and risk diluting what's a very lovely epitaph from you on the Bielsa tenure, but so much of it does just remind me of how we felt with Pochettino, both in how it ended and also yeah. what he gave us. I mean, he came in after a good 30 league matches, so, three quarters of a season worth of Tim Sherwood's managing us, which I think is quite comparable in terms of the pain <laughs> caused to 16 years in the Championship and League One. Yeah. Um, because... <laughs> a few weeks well, of Tim Sherwood. you've heard Tim Sherwood speak, haven't you? So, but, hmm. uh, but no, generally he came in and made Spurs... Dream as a club again, yeah. and actually brought romance back to the club. And to tell you the truth, I think a big part of why I have this bitter ambivalence, if that's even possible, if it's not too much of an oxymoron to say that, is just because nothing that's happened since Pochettino ever makes me feel the way football did with him. And yeah. I, I hope you stay up, and I hope you play some great football, and I hope Leeds get back to being a big club in this league again with Jesse Marsh because you're my friend and I want to see your team do well and also I definitely have more time for Leeds than a lot of other clubs but yeah. at the same time I can't imagine any time soon you'll ever love football the way you have loved football in the last couple of years and that's based on how me and every other Spurs fan is feeling about <laughs> our situation right now
0: our fan base never got over it I mean every time there's a, a couple of games lost our fans start calling for Poch back <laughs> it doesn't matter like, if he's supposedly failing at PSG or whatever it is Like, and it's not going to stop as well well, it's every time, you know, if Conte leaves, it's going to be, bring Potash back, bring Potash back. You'll probably have the same thing with Bielsa. But anyway, sad times, All things come to an end and hopefully they build him a statue, right, Dave?
1: They'll probably have a statue. Although there's been a lot of chat about, because plans are in the process, obviously pending survival. Uh, plans mm. are in process for redeveloping Ellen Road and also creating a new training ground. Um, oh, that's uh, perfect. A lot closer to the ground. Uh, Name it so after him, surely. a lot of chat about the Marcelo Bielsa training facility, be which would yeah. be very... That
0: almost feels more out. appropriate than a statue because of. It does, yeah. What about his training being so revolutionary? Well, he's already got a stadium, are, so.
1: in uh, uh, at Newell's, does so he? Oh, of course he does. Yeah, he's yeah, got a stadium go, at Selby also, and he and he uh, actually paid for their new academy as well. So yeah. yeah, so it would be fitting if that happened. Absolutely. And all of our all of our stands already have legends assigned to them, so you know, yeah, we can't. You can't just. We can't kick them out. We can't shuffle Jack Charlton or Alan <laughs> Hunter or <laughs> yeah, he, Don Revie. He kind of won of a World Cup, didn't he? To be fair, he probably
0: he probably deserves the stand. Well, look, uh, we'll move on from that. I mean, I'd love to talk a bit more about it, but we've got a lot to give for as I say. And I guess, Davis, you mentioned the last time we all sat here and talked about Spurs, we'd just put four in against you. You obviously didn't enjoy that experience. I imagine you rather more enjoyed the experience of seeing Spurs in their following match against Everton. In a lovely 5-0 against your favourite manager in the league. Not a manager. Well, whatever he is. The guy in charge. The, the guy pointing and shouting on the sidelines. How did you find Spurs in that match?
1: Um, you should have scored more. Um never uh, happy. you uh <laughs> yeah. I'm never not satisfied. Wrong. We could have uh, scored more. You should have scored more. You could've scored more. It was I mean what were Everton thinking? I yeah, well They haven't got a manager, so, you know, they're probably just guessing as they go along. Um, I don't know who did the team talk, maybe Pickford. And if Pickford's doing team talks, we're all lost, aren't we? Um, Because probably nobody could understand a word he was saying. (laughs) So, yeah, it was interesting. You know, the first goal was an incredible finish from their defender. Second goal was (laughs) was a very questionable Jordan Pickford miss. As the ball was hit, just to dry. cut in,
0: Dave. I just want to mention on that point. A couple of stats. One, you probably all saw on Sky Sports. That goal means that own goals is now our third top scorer for the season. With I believe is it nine, nine goals, nine, nine own goals really? conceded wow. in all competitions The season, so it goes. It goes. Kane twenty-one, Son eleven, own goals nine, <laughs> which is pretty spectacular. And then on top of that, Michael Keane now has more goals for Spurs than Giovanni Lo Celso
1: since we signed him. How many on goals has there been since Conte started? Is that the first few. one? Or has it been more? I couldn't tell you. I'm just wondering because as I mentioned off mic, it was a thing. It was actually a thing with Bielsa in the first like year and a half of League yeah, where, where saying, we were yeah. constantly getting in behind. And it was basically everybody was shitting themselves when when yeah. it happened. And they, you know, all just throwing limbs at stuff to try and stop it from getting to either Bamford or Roof, depending on who was playing, or the other the left back or the right back, depending on who was crossing it, because everybody was just bombing forward. Mm. So maybe there's maybe there is something in that, in the sense that you know it's a yeah. tactical thing that, that un on goals on goals happen because of the pressure mm. you put on the other team. I mean, you know, ultimately, Kane was right there, was he? Was it Kane? Yeah, it was Kane. It was Kane. Yeah, I mean, yeah, Kane, Kane, Kane was Kane right scores. there. You know, yeah. if Kane wasn't. If Kane, if Michael Kane would have absolutely belted that in. I mean, yeah, there's no Kane higher Kane praise. Would have absolutely belted that in.
0: No high praise of his finish if we thought it was Harry Kane smashing it into the net. You know, obviously, absolutely leathered it. Yeah,
1: he's finished with a plum, I believe the phrase is. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so, yeah, so, yeah. you know, long live the OG. Exactly. So he's doing something right
0: couple of assists for Matt Doherty, actually, and Elio, I've quoted you once there, I'm going to quote you again, I'm going to paraphrase you this time, but you, you said things along the lines after our last few games of Matt Doherty saying that he looks like somebody who won a competition, he should be the mascot, he should be wearing chirpy's head. I mean, we'll take it with a pinch of salt, it's a few games, let's not get too carried away, but it's fair to say he's definitely improved, hasn't he, Matt Doherty, or, or as his friends call him, Doherto Carlos. <coughs>
2: He is playing a lot better at the moment. I thought he had a very good yeah. game yesterday as well, despite the results. Yeah. Listen, Matt Doherty is not a particularly gifted footballer, but he is someone who, when used a certain way in this league, has previously excelled. And Conte appears to have sussed that. And also given him a bit of confidence as well by continuing to play him as well. Probably the yeah. biggest run of games he's had since he got COVID early in his Spurs career, which who knows what effects that had in terms of long COVID afterwards, et cetera, as well. But mm-hmm. he looks more confident. Little things like his passing and his first touch have dramatically improved. These are the things that improve with confidence. So yeah, the guy's never going to be a prime Danny Alves, but he is playing very well. He, he is... Also, the player we have most suited to playing at right wing back in this system, as we've painfully found out, Emerson is not very good at. So I Mm. think there's a case of him suiting the system and the system suiting him at the moment. Long term, I still would like to see us go for a better player when one becomes available to us for that role but right now he's the best we have at it and he, he's doing well he's creating goals and not sort of passing it two yards for someone to leather it 30 not the old sort of Tom Carroll assist he's actually playing in good incisive balls into the box so so yeah very very happy with him and yeah. long may he make a mockery of my criticisms but as you say one swallow doth a summer not make and we mm. need him to sustain it for the rest of the season really because if he doesn't no one else f***ing will <laughs> yeah exactly
0: uh, over on the other side Ryan Sessegnon who actually played the ball in for that Michael Keane own goal which was a lovely cross and he's you know, had a couple of assists recently he came off for Regalon, came in pretty much his first shot scored first touched the ball got a goal who do you think is our first choice left wing back now? Do you think Regulon is still the preferred one if um, everyone's fit, or do you think it depends on the opponent? Because, I mean, it's a, it's a nice issue to have, obviously. I but mean,
2: Regulon played prefer. yesterday because Sessignon came off injured in the previous game. Yeah. Exactly. So I, I think otherwise Sessignon would have kept the position. Once again, Regulon himself has recently had COVID, hasn't he? So I'm not mm. sure there is a particular first choice as such. I just think it's a case of whoever's on form gets yeah. the nods, and Regulon hasn't had a particularly brilliant adaption to the system because he, he's not the most threatening in the box despite that goal against Everton. He, he's probably a more rounded and more complete footballer than Cessignon, but he's more a left back who can attack rather than a wing back and there is a difference in that in so many ways. Sessegnon is a wing back and like Doherty on the other side he's probably the most suited to the position. I think I'll be surprised if they're both still at the club next season, really, mate. Yeah, I, I, I'd be happy for them to still both be at the club because I know you can't change every position that needs strengthening in one go. But I think mm-hmm. there'll be a choice to be made between Cesc and Jon, who is a career wing-back, but hasn't really proven himself yet, but also has a lot of time to do so as he's only 21. So there'll be a choice to make between him, who is sadly also very susceptible to injuries, it seems, and Reguilon, who is probably a better, more reliable player, but is he actually suited to the kind of system you want to make? Obviously, then you ask the question, do you throw all your eggs in the basket of the system of a manager who may not be here for more than a year or two afterwards anyway and and that's another question to answer but I think you always have to back the guy in the hot seat currently and I think that might be trying to see what we can get for Reguilon and bringing in a top sort of mature left wing back to compete with to teach to rotate with Sessegnon that's what I see happening potentially.
0: I think a bit like Emerson, I think perhaps Reguilon was brought in for a different system, right? He was player designed for a back four, not a back three slash five.
2: I think Reguilon was brought in as an opportunistic signing because at the time we had mm. just signed Doherty for the other side for Mourinho to play his weird lopsided full backs formation with Doherty attacking yeah. and Ben Davies sort of being the tucked in left back. And his career almost got screwed up by the fact that Reguilon became available sort of 23-year-old Spanish international left-back hot young talent at Real Madrid and we thought actually let's have some of that and we went and got Mm. him without overly knowing what we were going to do with him and I actually really like Reggie, I really do but there's always been a sense that we haven't really quite known how we want to use him since he's come to Spurs
0: Yeah, I think that's fair Dave, we talked about Doherty's two assists both of which Mm. were for Harry Kane and I know you've watched the goals again you've done your research can you rate Harry Kane's two finishes out of ten for me?
1: Um. Well, the first goal that was the. The if one who meant one. It, it was incredible through ball from Doakerty. <laughs> um. I think he was going for someone else on the <laughs> other side of the <laughs> maybe. Maybe. Um, Let's but, give it to. Uh, him. He's to yeah, he Clearly, clearly gave Pickford the eyes. Uh, <laughs> yeah, he as did, they say, yeah. And then just absolutely leathered it. It's mm. you know proper. Man on form, kind of finish that one. You know, you just it was through, and you were yeah. like, "Well, oh, he's going to score this." Just because confidence, isn't that? He's just he just looks like he was going to score it, and then he absolutely led it into the into the goal. The second one, which was the fifth goal, right? I believe so. Yeah. Yeah. I, I mean, similar to the the one he scored against Leeds, apart from the fact that it was not it was similar a, actually a brain fart from their defender that let <laughs> it just roll over their head. But yeah, really good finish. So, what did you want? You wanted to score out of ten? Um, yeah, that's not too much. So, was. first one, I would give. A, a solid 8 out of 10 and it was just a confident Good. finish and the next one after that um, I would say 8.25 Could slightly I like you to better. up
0: your rating slightly when I remind you that one of those goals tied him with Frank Lampard's overall Premier League tally in front of Frank Lampard
1: I didn't realise that yeah. obviously the answer is 10 yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't mind just to clarify I don't yeah. mind Frank Lampard the player you know, oh, really? he was okay. excellent he was right. excellent. Well, he's world we He was a world class footballer. He's got yeah. a lot of goals, uh, and he was really good for a, a a horrible, horrible football club. But I think we let's not talk about those guys. Yeah. Uh, but he's just uh, no. He's not a football manager. <laughs> he has no stripes. He's no Spurs. He's not earned anything. Fair enough. Fair enough. Move on. So, another player I wanted to ask out because it was the only
0: change from the last game, actually, into the Everton game was Benson Kerr coming back in. So, we had Benson Kerr and Boyberg as our midfield tweet here. Big fan of Bentenbjerg today. I'm, I'm a big fan of that portmanteau personally. <laughs> um, Hobby is much better when he can focus on winning possession and is not expected to create. Benson Kerr is a Rolls Royce. What an upgrade. That's from Jon Jonsson on Twitter. And um, we've talked a lot about Benson Kerr before. And, and in fairness, he probably didn't have his best game against Man United. Not that many of our players did. But what do you think of those two? as a pairing and follow-up question when Skip is back fit how do you see our best choice midfield two being? Do you think Skip comes right back in for Hoiberg or do you think it's going to stay with these two as first choice?
2: So I think the pairing has looked balanced. I think it looked balanced against Everton. I think against Man United, despite the fact that Benton Coeur didn't have a particularly great game. Uh, Hoyberg actually did have a good game, in my opinion. I think against Man United, it looked balanced again. We had the better mm-hmm. midfield in both those matches and that's up against an actually good midfield as well. So yeah, I, I, I'm i pleased with it. What Benton Coeur brings, listen, let, let's forget sort of, All the little kind of vogue football terms like, oh, he takes the ball on the half turn and plays with his head up and whatever. Like Plain and simple, he takes responsibility for what happens in the fucking pitch. He wants the ball when he doesn't have it, and when he does have it, he wants to do something with it all right, there's still a fair bit of sideways and backwards with him as well. But at least when he does play it backwards or sideways, he's not taking five touches before he does. So he's yeah. doing it with his first touch. And when he can it's play it forwards, he not always the worst he It's not always Sometimes the worst Sometimes you need decision. to play backwards. Absolutely. So yeah. I think what he brings is a lot more responsibility to our midfield. He's always available to receive the ball. He's always trying to win it back. And when he can take it forwards, he does. And while he didn't excel against Manchester United yesterday, I think he makes Hoyberg look better as well because all of a sudden Hoyberg isn't having to do the work of two men, which I think Winks scored zero in terms of attempts to do various important things for a midfielder to do, like turn over the ball and win it back and play a forward pass, whatever the stats were in the previous game against Middlesbrough. And when Hoyberg's not having to carry someone else, he's all right. He's not a world beater, but he's all right. Now, onto your second question. Sorry, go on. Oliver Skip. Oliver Skip, to my mind, comes straight back into the team. I think he's our best midfielder. I think you put him with Benton and you've got two aggressive players who are comfortable on the ball, who are hard-working off it. who will probably get a lot of bookings between them, but who (laughs) will make life very, very nasty for every opposition midfielder. And I think... When you play with two instead of three, you need that. If you have a three-man midfield, then you can afford for one of them to maybe be far more focused on a few exceptional things, but maybe not the most rounded game. I think it Mm. screams of a very natural pairing. But listen, football doesn't work like that. It's all about Mm. the relationships they develop. And you might think that way, but then put them together and it just not click. I mean... Look at Gerard and Lampard for England for all those years, two world-class footballers who were absolutely shocking together. So uh, you never know. Obviously, they were both attack-minded players and these are both primarily defence-minded players, but yeah, uh, I'm optimistic for it. You're about to give me the wink stats to back up the fact that he's insipid little sh weren't you?
0: <laughs> yeah, oh, exactly. I was. Um, yeah, exactly that. So Harry Winks, he didn't win a single ground duel out of six in the game against Middlesbrough. Didn't win a single aerial jewel out of two he went in before. He was dribbled past more times than the rest of the Tottenham players combined. Now, I know we always give Winks a hard time and he, every so often he has a good game, but I think a lot of Spurs fans have pretty much lost patience entirely with him. And at his age, he's no longer a young player that could just burst through at any moment. Do you think it's time to get rid of Harry Winks?
2: I mean, I think the time to get rid of Harry Winks was... <laughs> two years ago. Two, yeah. Um, he's another one we felt on for too long. But yeah, I, I think his time's up. I, I, I just... We will never be good, never mind great. We will never be good if Harry Winks is regularly playing in our midfield. I have my doubts whether he's Premier League quality. In fact, based on the stats Mm. you just gave us from a performance against Middlesbrough, is he championship quality? I know that once upon a time, he had a great game against Real Madrid or whatever it was. Jack Wilshere once had a great game against Barcelona, which Arsenal fans harped on about till the end of time and spent the rest of his career looking like fucking Jason Dazelle, as far as I'm concerned. Like, one game doesn't make a footballer.
1: If Harry, yeah. if Harry Winks, as an English man with a short name, doesn't play for Burnley in his career, then there's something wrong. <laughs> <laughs> maybe
2: that is his level he, he does pass the ball a little bit more than Burnley midfielders tend to like to usually they just exercise their neck muscles looking into the sky all game yeah, like But, uh, but <laughs> yeah
0: he actually came on against Man United and played a lovely forward pass but that was the only thing he did in mm. the entire game from where I, I remember I um, players Burnley we haven't mentioned at all yet Two players we haven't mentioned at all yet that we we do generally like to talk about. First of all, Kulisevsky, who made a lovely assist for the other player, Son. Son continues to create returns. He continues to make assists and goals. And the same with Kulusevsky. He's actually now got six goal contributions in the last five games. He's winning the penalty goal
2: contribution.
0: I think that counts, yeah. I think the (laughs) handball... But I mean, to be fair, he puts the ball into the box. And we were saying earlier, you've got to put the ball into the box. Even if you call it five. It's an outstanding record for a new player in a new league. Young player coming into a, a new system.
2: Even if he hadn't got one goal or assist so far, but it was just based of watching the way he plays that we were discussing him. He is such a breath of fresh air. He's beating players. Despite not being that quick, he's beating players. He's actually got quick feet in terms of shifting the ball one way, then the other. He's Mm. clearly playing with his head up and and playing good passes. Uh, I think one of his assists was with his right. I think the penalty he won was actually with the cross from his right Right as well, so he can use his weaker foot too. And I think there's just intelligence and awareness about the way he plays, which is why he complements the other two as well as he does. I think if this is just the start, then I really am excited about what we're going to see towards the back end of this Mm. season next season and hopefully a better side as well and i want to see more of him i think that it was a mistake to take him off and keep son on yesterday i think that was a big part of the reason why we lost our impetus and man united turned the screw one last time and got the corners until one of those corners led to the goal and i think he has been a, a real breath of fresh air for us
0: Yeah, and he's only young, isn't he? What is he, 20...
2: 21. 21. 21. 21.
0: I mean, he doesn't play like a 21-year-old, does he? He,
2: he? Also, how often is he taking a kick and just riding the challenge and carrying it forward? I mean, yeah. it's so nice to see someone who's actually got a bit of metal about them.
0: I saw a tweet the other day. I wish I'd screenshotted it or taken it down. I can't remember the exact wording, but it was basically along the lines of comparing his output in Serie A to his output in the Premier League. And someone's basically said, "Maybe the Premier League is the Farmers League." <laughs> <Right>? <laughs> Suddenly, Kudelski has just, you know, hit the ground running. But anyway, um, no, he's, he's been very good. And he was probably, as you alluded to, the best of a bad bunch from the Man United game, which we will get on to as well. Much Say about Son I kind of feel sorry for Son because we never really have too much fanfare about him even though he's consistently getting the job done he's scoring um,
2: goals and he's making goals. goals you can't criticize that aspect against Everton the goal he scored was not a great finish and he had a couple more one-on-ones which were even worse finishes which didn't go in so yeah I I love Son but I don't think he's playing well I know the stats completely make a mockery of that, but I don't think he's playing well. I think he's benefiting from being the player that we are most putting into good situations. Therefore, sort of, you give a thousand monkeys a thousand typewriters, they get Shakespeare kind of philosophy. (laughs) I just don't think that... Right now he's playing like the son, we know it's not since he's come back from his layout, especially, maybe Covid's had an effect on him, who knows? But yeah. he's not seemingly able to beat a guy anymore. He definitely doesn't I mean, we we've always questioned his touch anyway, but it's been worse than ever. But the worrying thing for me is actually the fact that his usually exceptional finishing is just yeah. not there at the moment. I mean, against United he put one past the post, which should have been kind of a, a should have been absolutely against Manchester United yes should have been absolutely <laughs> rustling the net and yeah I just I think he probably needs a bit of a break as well because no one's played more for us than him in recent years and I think he needs to have a bit more competition for his place I do I think maybe there's an argument to say that yeah. we could give Bergwijn a go in his place at yeah. some point maybe Lucas possibly Bergwijn wrong
0: side yeah, just he might be the most confusing Spurs player I've ever watched. In a way, it's bizarre because like he's got such a good record, he scores so many goals, he makes so many assists. But sometimes I watch him and I just think, is this guy a top level footballer? Like his first touch, his dribbling—it's so strange. But then he'll just come out of nowhere and he'll score an important goal. Dave, I know you've been a big fan of Son. You've mentioned him a few times in the podcast. Now that you started watching him a bit more closely since we've been doing this. Do you get what, we, what we're talking about here in the sense that if you just looked at the figures and you, you looked at match the day every week or you just looked at the scoreboard and you'd think, oh, Son's a world class forward. But do you ever watch him and think,
1: how is this guy as good as he is? Um, no, I don't think so. I think, no? uh, to be honest, from my perspective, and I'll have to throw it back at you and, and, and ask the question, are you putting Son on a Kane Spectrum? And therefore, you're actually looking <laughs> at this and thinking, "Oh, okay, right. Well, we've got this guy, and he is really, really good. But mm. well, he's probably never going to be as good as Harry Kane. best ba- no. Son at his best is not oh, as no. good as Kane at his best. But Son is no. more consistently very good than Kane. Mm. So it's a, it's a difficult one. It's almost like the second child thing, uh, in the sense in this the season, sense that you've maybe. got this. You've this got season kids. has been more. Consistent I wouldn't say
0: over the, their careers. I would no. say the opposite over the last. Over you know, yeah, the last yeah, seven years, Son's always been but,
1: very yeah. streaky. But the consistency at the moment yeah. is definitely with Son. And, mm-hmm. the, and the highs and lows are keen and have been keen this season. I mean, don't get me wrong. Yeah. It feels like he's definitely on an upper trajectory in terms of his consistency, which is great. But Son's just not, he's not wavered in that consistency this season. Even when you have been terrible... He has been good. Yeah, uh, he has. Pa- he's he's got a pass yeah. at the very, at the very least. Yeah. Um, at the beginning um, of our season, he was almost carrying us. I mean, he, he was, was our, our best player. Well,
0: yeah, he's got he's got a view of the that's... goals in the one nils, didn't he? Yeah, exactly. Yeah, and the city win and big big, big points,
2: points. I think in that's the fair. But I don't think comparing him and putting him on the cane pedestal when I'm sort of criticizing him. But I look at him and then I look at. Let's say Mane at Liverpool, who himself hasn't had a great season either, actually. but But, scored enough goals. Yeah, but once again, by his standards, let's say. (laughs) And and I think if I were in a world where teams outside of this country have money, if I were Barcelona or AC Milan or Real Madrid or Bayern Munich or or PSG, and I looked at those two players, similar positions, similar Mm. responsibilities in the team, it would be annoying. the commercial element. Of the Asian market. For Ignoring second, all that, yeah. just purely based yeah. on who would I side to make my team better, mm. Mane would be the no-brainer based on watching them play. And you yeah. might say, well, why are we comparing Son to Mane? Because Mane is world-class. Well, then at some point you say, well, then if we're never allowed to compare him to a world-class player, maybe he's not world-class, maybe he's good, and we should be happy with that. And that's fine, mm. because he's still our second-best player at the club. And I'll tell you who I would compare him to. I'd compare him to the Deli Alley that we had for the first three years at the club. Yeah. A slower player, but a younger player. Yeah. And neither players that get involved a huge amount in overall play, but players that finish off moves, that players that get into dangerous situations, that players that give you mm. X factor, let's call it. And I don't think he's as good as that Deli Alley.
1: I think it's a really good point in terms of the Marne non comparison that you just did. But there are comparisons there, but there's a massive difference. And there's two comparisons that I sort of straight off the top of my head. One of which is he is very much the best player of their nation. So there is a lot of hype about that specific person from a very large population. Second, they're not the best striker in their team uh, because for every Kane there is a Salah. But then the third Mm. one, which I think is the difference, is that Mane is the greediest footballer I've ever seen in professional football. (laughs) Whereas Son is not... And he's very much part of the team. And you can see, you know, he's very much part of the team and he's very much a team player. And, you know, when he's thrown goal, it wouldn't surprise me if he laid it off. But if Mane ever laid anything (laughs) off for another striker... I don't know what I do.
0: Oh, you don't have but, to tell me, Dave. In my FPL team, I've pretty much had Salah you, and not you've Mane. You've probably in my sworn at Mane three years running. <laughs> and every time I see Mane in a position where Salah's wide open, I'm screaming at him to pass and he and, never does. But anyway, and, I mean, maybe that is player, a cutting obviously.
1: edge and that is a clinical a clinicalism, which yeah. isn't a word, but maybe maybe there is, maybe okay. there is, maybe there is that element that people actually think about and factor that in when they're talking about the difference Mm. between players and again it's you know it's you are comparing apples with apples because they're all footballers and they're all strikers but at the same time you know you have to take these factors in and you know there will be a time in probably the near future where there is a 0.3 xg for son to score a goal and he will put it over for kane to score a 0.9 and that is the difference yeah. between a Son and a Mane, And I'm not 100% convinced I would pick Mane over Son, quite frankly.
0: Okay. I mean, at Man City alone, there are three or four players that you could look at that, in a similar way, they're comparing themselves to other players because there's just so much talent there. Mm. But you could look at, like, Mahrez, Sterling, Grealish, Vanada Foden, Silver. playing Silva, like how many of them would you swap with Son? But I guess maybe they don't get quite as much fanfare because there's just so many of them and they're all part of this unit.
2: Yeah. I think Dave makes a really good point. They also then have to think Marley plays in a much better team than Son plays in as well. And on the unselfishness factor, one thing I will say for Son is he does, despite being a player who's most effective playing on the shoulder, he does drop deep a hell of a lot and play one touch football to bring Davies into the game, to bring whoever the left back is that day, Cesson or Reguilon into the game. Yeah. To link up with the midfield Son actually does a hell of a Mm. lot of that And I think I probably underappreciate That just because I I get frustrated When he seems to control A simple low pass with his (laughs) Left knee But I think it probably boils down To maybe trying to appreciate what a player does Rather than criticise what he doesn't In there and listen I I do love Son I definitely don't want to Hammer him we've got many players At Spurs much more deserving Roughly 20 of them uh, than Son getting hammering. I just feel Mm. like there's a reason why he's never actually had suitors, despite playing so well for us all these years, and I just think Mm. there's something lacking that stops him being great. He's good, he's very good, and he does some great
1: things, but I don't think he's top top. I'm, I'm not sure I agree with that. I think there's an element of the fact that Son is who he is, and he's obviously not a mercenary, and this game is a game of mercenaries. And, mm-hmm. and yeah. I think if Son did spit his dummy out and did have a strop and his agent made it known that he wasn't happy at Spurs, I could see him at Liverpool. Mm. I could okay. see him at, United, at Scum. Maybe. I could see him at Chelsea. Well, obviously not Chelsea, sorry.
0: <laughs> no, no, they can't sign anyone. I started the whole segment off basically saying that we never talk about Son enough and we've just done a whole big segment <laughs> on him. I love this, we've really gone into it. There's a quote from Son actually, it was a year or two ago and it was, it was quite heartwarming. Like, I remember him saying, I don't remember the words exactly, but he basically said, I hope in 50 years Spurs fans know my name. Well, that's, that's, that's nice to say. hear. I and, couldn't
1: give a shit about Spurs. I'm just doing
0: it for the money. <laughs> yeah, exactly. But it, it got me thinking. I was wondering, in 50 years' time, it obviously depends on what Spurs have done in that time. We could still be looking for the highest trophy, for all I know. But do you think, looking back and what he's done,
1: I mean, do
0: you oh, think he's a player that...
1: We'll remember are when you were
0: when you're talking to your great-grandkids uh, about Spurs players Elliot of yesteryear... Helio can run the
1: reserve keeper from the 83-84
0: season. (laughs) That's a very good point, isn't it? Well, look, that's enough about Son. I want to talk about another player, Dave, and I want to ask you, because I know you're a huge fan of this individual. Christian Romero, he's brilliantly insane, isn't he? He's an absolute lunatic. I love him. I think he's a fan favourite. He's a cult hero. Did you see his... I completely
1: forgot about this. Did you see his tackle on
0: Richarlison? (laughs) The most cynical scything down of a player. Two and of then, the best things, two of the oh, best
1: things he's ever that has ever happened in the history yeah. of Spurs football. In back-to-back back of being being that guy in, yeah. in a Spurs game, that that tackle on Rick Carlson, which was yeah. just brilliantly bad. Yeah, and then shameless, the most unnecessary wind up on Harry Maguire. Yeah. It's amazing, incredible. I mean, with-
0: it's it's one of those things. I just think if it was another player on another team, we'd probably absolutely hate him. But you love it when it's your player. So it's regardless, it?
2: and I'm pretty sure it's carried over from the last oh. time Argentina met Brazil. they're, and- they're arch rivals.
0: They've had oh, yeah. a history. They have a history.
2: And scene. with the Harry Maguire, I think to tell you the truth, we don't know context. And Harry Maguire, as we know, isn't exactly um, an angel. I think the Greek authorities would attest to that. <laughs> and you don't know that Harry Maguire's not sort of giving chat and mouthing off and making jibes every set piece when they're marking each other whatever. You don't know what's gone on for... 87 minutes or however much it is up until that point. And these are very competitive guys, and he's a bit young and he's a bit of a hothead, as we know as well. So if he was giving Harry a bit of a "fuck you, you prick, because Harry Maguire had been a dick all game, then... Fair enough. I know Roy Keane was sort of crying into his noodles afterwards about it and saying, Ah, oh, he'll mark him, he'll remember that and I don't think Romero gives a shit about that, quite frankly. No, but don't. um I don't but uh, he lives for I, it. I genuinely I genuinely don't think sort of you need to judge too much of what is said and how players try and get into each other's heads on a football pitch like it's football. It's competitive. It happens. It, it's it's nothing compared to like what the Australian cricketers, for instance, mouth off about and do to England players when they play the
1: Ashes. Also, I've you know I've heard Harry Maguire talk. I'm not convinced he remembers what he had for breakfast. <laughs> <laughs> He's basically taken up the mantle of Eric Lamella,
0: hasn't he? I love. I feel like every team needs that one player, that one player. I mean, Delhi used to be like that a little bit, but you just need that one guy who's a bit of a nuisance and winds up the opposition. You know, that bit of shit houseery as they call it.
1: He'll mature um, and aware.
2: he'll he'll. Pr- probably level out a little bit hopefully not too much because i do enjoy it uh, i want him to focus on his heading a bit more to tell you the truth no, before yeah, he gets i want to him to comedy. go full
1: extreme i want him to go the other side
2: i want <laughs> to be the next pepe <laughs> Pepe, oh god! To
0: be fair, like he's not had that many. He he knows where the line is generally. I think I think he's sensible enough to just stop short of Which getting line? red cards. He's not Sergio Ramos. He he's has had Pepe. one red card eh, okay, in Conte's enough, first though. game. Oh god, yeah, he did, didn't he? And he still and, and he got through that. And he's still first choice. You know, there you go, um, there you go. He's our um, own partner. nice Montero. moment. Oh god, yeah, that's another one, isn't it? He got a fair share of red cards. One nice moment was actually at the end with obviously Delhi coming on for a little swan song and then um, Hugo taking him over to the Spurs fans at the end that was quite nice to see and all the chants the Delhi Alley chants I suspect it might not have been quite as warm a welcome if we were 3 or 4 nil down when he came on but <laughs> look unless there's anything else to talk about on that game obviously we want to talk about the Man United game too but any final thoughts on the 5 nil? I just want to live in that moment forever really don't we? I just want to pretend the Man United match never happened <laughs> yeah let's not discuss United challenge Elio now please oh, he's done it again Dave that's £2 you're going to yeah. be very rich by the end of this <laughs> Right, so Man United two, Tottenham Hotspur, three. Ronaldo...
1: <laughs> Did you say that score wrong on purpose?
0: No, no I didn't. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not even going to cut that out. That's that's just a pure denial. Pure denial, yeah. Ronaldo only scored two. So I mean, I'm getting confused because of all the own goals. I don't know which goals count for us or
2: not. Sorry, yeah, yeah. Ronaldo for... Everything that he doesn't do anymore is still an incredible shooter of the ball. And we gave him eight opportunities to shoot. And that's just asking for trouble. And it's really shit because we played better than them. We deserved to beat them. We were better than them from the start to the finish. But a combination of a few poor decisions in the final third from us and some atrocious defending at the other end meant that... I'll tell you what it reminded me of. It reminded me of all the smash and grabs we used to have against teams like Stoke and um, mm. and the likes and Bolton back in the day under Allardyce where we'd absolutely pummel them and we'd absolutely play them off the park. And listen, we weren't a, our rip-roaring best, but we were definitely superior. We were definitely the more dangerous side going forward, but we just couldn't handle whatever the one trick they had was and we succumbed to it. United's one yeah. trick was get the ball to the second best player of the past 20 years and see what he can do. And (laughs) unfortunately... As it was last time we played them. mm, Exactly. And it it was very deflating because we didn't deserve to get nothing out of that much. But we also know that Old Trafford's. Less so in recent years, but Old Trafford is an absolute hellhole for us, as it is for Mm. most teams, but something always happens to make sure we're unhappy at Old Trafford, whether it's Clattenburg giving or not giving, as the case may be, a goal that clearly crosses the line, or whether Mm -hmm. it's Howard's Webb giving a penalty for a perfect dive at Carrick's feet from Gomez. Like, what happens at Old Trafford stays at Old Trafford, I guess.
0: Yeah, fair enough. Dave, I know you're supposed to be the impartial outsider in this podcast. I feel like for this game, you're you're just not. not but so much. trying to be as objective as possible, do you agree with that? Do you think Spurs deserve more out of that game?
1: Um, you deserved a point at least. I think, I, think I, I did look at the XG earlier. Okay. Okay. Um, Spurs' XG for that game was 1.7. Okay. Mm. ronaldo's was 0.83 wow and scums without ronaldo was 0.16
0: i'm surprised ronaldo's was that low given that one of them was a tap-in
1: well yeah and... one of them was a tap-in but one of them was a i think i think the goal that yeah. is the first goal was 0.02 mm. um you know i think you're just i'd be tempted to say you're pretty unlucky that you yeah turned up to a game where ronaldo decided to be ronaldo like he went for complete Ronaldo. striker, complete yeah. striker of old Ronaldo. You know, I don't think I. I mean, but I maybe just you know being a dickhead who hates Man United. Um, but <laughs> I don't remember him being that good in the last you know yeah half a season. That's what's annoying. I don't remember that. I, I remember him scoring a few goals, sure, but he was everywhere. Like every, yeah. uh, in the highlights that I watched, I don't. Pay, I try not to watch. You know, even when Spurs are playing, I try not to watch too much Man United. But the highlights that I watched—he was—he was coming back. He was getting involved. He was really mm. being there. He was—he was, he was giving and going and moving and moving. And he just hasn't done that all season. I haven't seen that yeah. before, which is, well, very frustrating. I mean, he was—we we lost four two, and he was garbage.
0: Yeah. I was say, I remember him being that good for about fifteen years straight until about two years ago. <laughs> but, oh yeah, don't get but me since wrong. then, I mean, I mean since, since he's come the, the man's a. Sorry, phenomenon. I just did it. I just did it. Man United, God, yeah, there we go. Uh, the man's a
1: phenomenon, but yeah, but yeah, I, you know, he's he's an old phenomenon now. I don't know what an old phenomenon. Phenomenon. An old is. phenomenon. I, is there is there any new phenomenons? Phenomenon seems to be an old thing. It, it does sound like it like LL should Cool it? J. <laughs> Maybe,
0: um,
1: but that's the thing. But, he, yeah. he could well do nothing in his next game, and it wouldn't be a shock. He could just go missing no no absolutely not or he could he could score a couple of goals but not actually have any real involvement in the actual game whereas mm. this game it felt like it was really involved it felt like it was really dictating what was happening and that was different to you know what i've seen previously of yeah of him and his time his second coming so to speak mm. so yeah i think you were unlucky i think you played really well i think you moved it around quite well and yeah i mean M- Maguire's on goal was my favorite part
0: Oh, of course. Absolutely. And the reaction from Romero immediately afterwards. I feel like two of the Ronaldo goals were kind of goals that only a player like Ronaldo is going to score, particularly the header, because, I mean, we all know that's one of his biggest strengths. I mean, to jump up the high. Well, that's interesting
1: because, you know, obviously Sky did me wrong. (laughs) When oh, they mentioned stat. that Man United haven't scored from a corner, and then suddenly they've scored one against Leeds and one against Spurs so they screwed in two both of in us, like yeah. three weeks, unbelievable! Yeah.
0: I was hoping they were going to screw Man United over when they put that stats out at half time, where they said that they'd never lost a game at Old Trafford when they were leading at half time. I was like, right, here we go, that's it, they've done it. <laughs> this is the moment we're going to break some records, but alas, it wasn't to be. Elio, what do you make of that game and Ronaldo's performance?
2: I mean, Ronaldo was phenomenal. I actually think all three goals were... You know me. I mean? I hate blaming goals and defences. I like to think there are just some good goals, but I think Gali was slow to dive on the long shot. I think the defence were massively out of sync, half of it was playing deep and the other half was stepping up which gave them an easy route to goal for the second and I think on the third, well the second we conceded yet another set piece, I just turned to my dad and said we know what's happening here because we mm. can't defend crosses, especially when they're from set pieces and Ronaldo is a great header of the ball it seemed as though Doherty was marking him, either Romero or Doherty it was hard to tell from the angles they showed but it seemed like it was Doherty and I'm just thinking to myself, you've got one of the best headers of the ball in the world, and you're not putting our best header of the ball on him. Put Harry Kane on Ronaldo there. Yeah. Uh, frankly. He he clears so many corners for us. Put Harry Kane on him, or put Dyer on him. Or don't put um, um to tell you the truth, even Lucas I trust more marking him because he's got an incredible <laughs> <Yeah>. leap. <that laughs> he wins all the great. headers. He, he does win his headers. Like, yeah. I just feel like we got it wrong on that. And I don't want to say United scored three bad goals because another player probably wouldn't have scored uh either the first or the third, quite frankly. I I don't think we're gonna see Rashford scoring either the first it's or the third anytime soon. But I do think that we should have done better than we did and our defence is undoing us at the moment. We were the better team. We played good football. We had a balanced midfield that knew what they were doing. We, despite the fact that two of our three forwards didn't play particularly well, Son and Kane, we still Mm. consistently got into positions where we should have taken advantage. There's loads of positives to take from it. Unfortunately, Mm. the cesspit that is Twitter is um, going overboard with their criticisms off the back of it, but... Really, this just came down to a few poor decisions and a bit of bad defending up against the wrong guy in the wrong mood. Yeah,
0: hard to argue with any of that. Dave, anything to add on that game? Other than you were obviously rooting for us and it was heartbreaking to watch.
1: Yeah, you let me down, guys.
0: Yeah, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. We did our best.
1: It's all right. Next time.
0: Next time, yeah. So should we take a look forward to the games we've got coming up now? Actually, you know what? It's worth mentioning. We touched on it earlier, but Kane now obviously has surpassed Thierry Henry with his all-time goals. Just a quick question. I was curious to get your guys' thoughts on it. from One of our listeners, Adam Nicolaides, who uh, is a friend of mine. And he mentioned this to us and he said, Kane has now scored more goals than Thierry Henry in the Premier League is it time to ask who is the better striker? And I must add to that, that he was saying this in a group chat that included an Arsenal fan. So I think I'm about 90% sure he was fishing for an angry response there. But Dave, if you had to choose one of prime peak Harry Kane and prime peak Thierry
1: Henry in your team, who are you going for? Um, I'm probably going... There's probably a a big wedge of recency bias in this. (laughs) But I think... I think... Here we go. Hot take. I think... Henri was the better striker, but I think Kane might have been the better footballer or is the better footballer.
0: I mean, Henri wasn't short of an assist; he got plenty of assists, so it wasn't like he didn't have that part to his game like Kane does. But
1: I just feel like Kane's, which is funny because you know I don't think we've really talked about this, but sometimes the way he talks, I do question whether he is actually all there. But <laughs> um, uh, but that's maybe that's just me. Poor um, Harry uh, Kane. Yeah, but. He does seem to have a very, very big footballing brain on there. Mm. And and I think some of the things that he has been doing over the last 18 months for Spurs, Mm. I'm not sure Tierra Henry could have done that. Elio?
2: I think they're quite close in terms of how high you can rank them. I think Harry Kane is one of the best footballing brains we've actually seen in the Premier League up there with De Bruyne. I mean, yeah. I watched that BT show about Glenn Hoddle, Glenn Hoddle extra time the other day going through his life and the mm. things Hoddle were doing were unbelievable. Like you look at them and you think, none of these guys can tie his laces, but actually Kane, some of the things he does with the ball are so similar to what Hoddle used to do. And mm. it, it is wonderful to watch. I think... Henri is a player that gets you off your seat. And if I'm being completely objective, taking a bird's Mm -hmm. eye view, he's also scored his goals in fewer games than Harry Kane scored his. Yeah, worth mentioning. to add and did get more assists in that. And also was talismanic in a couple of title wins. So we have to take on board all of that as well. Which one would I have in my team? Very hard to say, but who do I think is Mm -hmm. the better player? I think Henry's probably the best player when he was at his best that the Premier League has had. I genuinely think that. And it may not have been over quite as sustained a period as Harry Kane's has been. But for three or four Mm -hmm. years, when he was getting 30 league goals year after year, I think he was. He was sort of scoring at Shearer's rate for a while. It was just something else. And when you've got a guy that does that and is actually getting the ball from the left, dribbling past one, two, three, running at pace... Yeah. The bums off seat factor
1: always, always is a big factor for me. You've absolutely convinced me earlier. Thank you. That the <laughs> Arsenal player is better than the Spurs player. Thank I mean, I no
0: would have taken us seriously if we all sat yeah. here and said, "Kate, okay, okay, we, we can't be objective. We're just going to be cool buyers." so I think we've done ourselves a favor there. But I think we can all agree he's better than Frank Lampard, right? Yeah, <laughs> yeah,
1: obviously. Yeah. And he'd make Definitely a better manager, better, better striker, better manager. I think right now he'd be a better manager. Yeah, yeah, of course, yeah. better human being. <laughs> exactly
0: right Allegedly. let's talk about our games coming up so we've got a couple of games coming up both teams that haven't been on the best of form to be fair although West Ham did win today is worth mentioning but Bryson are kind of falling apart a little bit so maybe it's an appointment that, with Dr. Tottenham why would you say come. that
2: what's wrong with you <laughs>
0: get out I'm single-handedly out. derailing our season aren't I hey look I'm just here to lay out the facts you guys have got to deal with them so look Bryson's results recently they've lost. They played some good teams they lost 2-0 to Liverpool 2-1 to Newcastle 2-0 to Villa 3-0 to Burnley and 2-0 to Man United they're not really scoring goals they're in bad form it's tailor-made for them to beat
2: us isn't it calling Dr. Tottenham there you go um, yeah Brighton have a good manager. They tend to try and play good football. They don't have anyone that can particularly stick it in the back of the net. I think if they did, they might enjoy less possession and chance creation than they do because I think people would defend a bit more against them. And I think you have to factor Mm. that in as well. I like them They're a likeable team We should still beat them But that's been true Of many teams That have beaten us recently <laughs> The good thing is That they do try to play And they do try And build from the back And they do play With a yep. high line And that seems to be The thing that plays Into our hands Lately Manchester City Leeds Everton Etc et It's the mm. stubborn Defensive teams Like Manchester United And Burnley That we struggle To play against So um, I think I expect us to Win Plus we We Win and lose an alternate matches anyway, so it would you a winner. <laughs> yeah, exactly.
0: I'm not <laughs> sure what's worse, me saying they're on bad form or you saying, I expect us to win. I don't know who's damned us to defeat more thoroughly there. But Dave, what do you think of Bryson? Because I think there's probably some parallels with Leeds in the sense that everyone's always praising the way they play, but they don't really get the results they Before should Before
2: Dave goes, I just want to yeah. caveat what you said slightly in that I'm not saying I expect us to beat them. I'm just saying that as a Spurs fan, yeah. I expect... Spurs. Yeah, to beat I Brighton. understand what
0: you mean. Yeah, yeah. We should beat them. You don't necessarily think we will, but yeah, I, I know what you're saying. So, Dave, Bryson, what do you think?
1: Uh, well, first, I want to congratulate Elio for putting Man United and Burnley in the same bracket in that last in that last <laughs> comment, which is excellent uh, and absolutely accurate. Um, Brighton, they can't score many goals, can they? I mean, mm. who's. I'm just looking at the table. Burnley and Norwich are the only teams that have scored less goals. And no one has drawn more games than Brighton. Yeah. They will play, and I think that's a positive. There's a chance for you to do similar things to what you did to Everton and us and yeah. and City, which is good. You know, I think it'll probably be a good game of football, to be honest. I mm-hmm. think it'll be a, a game that people will watch and not think, oh my god, that was awful, wasn't it? Yeah. Uh, so... Uh, I mean, uh, does that make you happy, you know, if you're involved in a game that's pleasing on the eye to people that aren't Spurs or Brighton fans? I I actually do value that. I don't want to be involved in boring matches. Football is meant to be entertainment. Well, there you go. Absolutely. I couldn't agree more. Just tell it to Marcella. But I can understand your fear in this game because it... You look at all the stats, you look at all the form, you look at everything, you go. Well, I suppose you win this game.
0: It's set pieces are worry because I might be making this up, but I feel like Brighton. The goals they do get, a lot of them come from headers from corners, no, and obviously that's been a problem with that.
1: They've lost. They've lost Don, haven't they, to to Newcastle? Oh, no, sorry, Burn to Newcastle. Yeah, yeah. Um, and I think they have a, another one injured at the moment. Webster's Is that out. still the case. So, you know, that's, mm. that's that's the majority of their defensive giants if you add in the fact that obviously they'll spend white in the summer. Mm. Um so maybe the set pieces aren't as big a deal. Yeah. I mean, I've absolutely cursed you now. They're yeah. definitely going to score yeah. from the corner. But I think they've underperformed this season. I think last season they were unlucky. And if you looked at, you know, what they should have got in terms of, well, in terms of stats next year and all that, they probably should have been a couple of places higher. But I I generally think they've been pretty poor this year. But at the same time, it's Brighton and Hove Albion. You know, should they be in the Premier League? Probably not. Apart from on merit, he says in the quotes. But yeah, I think you you should go in. I think you should go in confident. But you are also Tottenham Hotspur. (laughs)
0: <laughs> we are. We are. We need to remember this is a very important component. weren't they something like fourth or fifth on XG last season or something ridiculous like that?
1: Which is what I think got they were everyone... definitely top top eight. Yeah, um, in terms of that, they were definitely up there, but they just mm. couldn't. They couldn't convert and and they didn't solve it in the summer. So I have absolutely no sympathy for them, you know. <laughs> we are in the Premier League. A lot of money gets plowed into each of these teams every single season. Yeah. There's no reason they couldn't have gone, hmm, we don't seem to be scoring enough goals. I know. Let's spend forty five, fifty million pounds on a striker. Now, don't get me wrong, they mm. could have signed Joe Linton the second and been equally bad. But mm. they didn't even bother. And yeah. Yeah, there's no one to blame other than them. If they're stockpiling the cash and you know waiting for the rainy day, then that's on them. I think going back to Elio's point, I mean, if they did sign a striker, maybe teams would play differently against them. If they suddenly saw that goal
0: threat, so maybe maybe that they are that does flatter them. The fact that people think, "Here you go, have the ball, passed it around, you're not going to score anyway," do what you want to do. A bit like we did against Man City, except they have players that can. That's score It's quite
1: the paradox, isn't it? Quite <laughs> yeah, the it's a weird one, isn't it? It is a bit strange. We, um, we better not sign the world class striker. No, no, in case people, people start trying, change the way yeah.
0: they play. It. Yeah, I'm, I'm not sure that's the smart. <laughs> hardest way to go about it. I think with Bryce is they're bang in the middle of the table. They don't really have anything to play for. They're probably safe from relegation realistically. They're not going to get yeah. into, probably not into Europe at all. It's almost like they don't have that much to play for which gives me a bit of confidence. Unlike West Ham who we play after them. So it's worth mentioning we play West Ham on the Sunday. There's a lot been made about our bad record in games where we've not had a long time to prepare. And they've actually got a game a day later than us. So West Ham will also be pretty tired. They're playing Sevilla in the second leg of the European game we don't do well that well against West Ham really they are notoriously good at set pieces we are notoriously bad at defending set pieces there are reasons to worry about this game I mean Antonio loves scoring against us even though he's not been in the best form I guess on the other side Jared Bowen is missing they've got a couple of injuries in defense as well Elio what do you think of this West Ham game do you think this is a chance for us to get revenge what happened early in the season do you think you make us favorites for this one I know you don't like making us favourites in any
2: game. (laughs) We're at home to West Ham. We should be. West Ham always raise their game against us. We're their cup final because for some reason they think we're their rivals. I've never quite understood why. I mean, it's... It's like Brentford saying yeah. Chelsea are their rivals, quite frankly, but yeah. um, they seem to down. have a dislike. I think it's because all the fans from their part of the country still support us and not them, I guess. But... They're a bit like
0: Leeds to Man United, aren't they, really? <laughs> well, <laughs> sorry, Dave. I think that was unnecessary.
2: But... <laughs> that was
0: a really low blow, I'm sorry. This uh, is giving me a I signed with Dave
2: when... w- with whatever he comes out with next. <laughs> but, but, Dave uh, has left the <laughs> chance. <chairs. laughs> I just, they do raise their game for us. Moyes has them playing well. They're a good side and not just the Mm. usual sort of cliches around Moyes being organised and whatever. They actually play some good football as well. Fornells is a player I really, really like. Jared Bowen, I think, is really, really... He deserves to be in the next England squad as far as I'm concerned. I think he's having such a good Mm. season and he's the sort of signing we used to make and we don't seem to anymore. And they deserve to be fighting for that fourth spot with us and Arsenal and Man United right now. So Mm. well done, West Ham. But... I still take a lot of pleasure from beating them just to wipe the smug look off all their little fans' faces when they think that they're actually getting anywhere in life. I mean, their biggest claim to fame is the fact that it's Jeff Hurst, basically. They, they had a <laughs> yeah, player a who did beaters. well for another team. Yeah. I mean, that's like me saying that Spurs have won all these Champions Leagues for Real Madrid because of Modric and Bale, for fuck's sake. <laughs> yeah. I mean, yeah. great, we, hey, we, we won, we won we've the done La Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I
1: mean, Our
0: captain lifted the World Cup. He did, so, so, so much more uh, recently uh, than West Ham.
2: They're a club I always hated playing growing up because they were a side who used to beat us a lot and I never quite understood Mm. why. Then they started becoming a yo-yo club, which is kind of West Ham's rightful place in the football standings. And then they got bought by the Dildo Brothers and have, (laughs) after five or six years of doing nothing, finally threatened to finish in the lofty heights of sixth. So good luck to them. I'll be pissed off if we don't beat them.
0: The story I loved, I can't remember if it was the beginning of this season or the beginning of last season, was when Spurs decided to downgrade the West Ham fixture for ticketing purposes from a Category A to a Category B. (laughs) And everyone lost their minds. It was just like an absolute dig at West Ham. Like, you don't matter. We're your biggest rivals. You're nothing to us. Yeah. I mean, I I don't think that was necessarily the thinking.
2: I think it was probably more a supply and demand kind of deal, but very, very funny nonetheless. It's the fact that we have six sides that we consider... At least, six yeah. sides that we consider more important fixtures than them, basically.
0: It's a bit like England and Germany, isn't it? Germany don't care about England. We're nothing to them. It's <laughs> no, kind of Germany hate Holland, the Dutch more than Holland they hate are us. their biggest rivals. Yeah, exactly. It's I mean, I don't know strange.
1: why because they beat Holland every time as well. But. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Do you have anything to add on West Ham? Um, Do you think they'll finish above first? Jokes aside, mm. to get real and serious, I think it's a must-win for you. Mm. Agree. And I think it's a must-not-lose for them. So I think it's going to be tough. In the same sense that I think I might watch the Brighton game, I don't think I'll bother with the Spurs West Ham game. <laughs> I think it's going to be, I think it's going to be It'd a be bit a dull affair. A bit dull. Yeah. But if you get that goal, then you'll have deserved it. Yeah. Maybe that's yeah. that's all I got on that one. I think it's simple as that, really. I think if you win that, suddenly it might be game on again. But yeah. if you don't, anything else other than a win for you, I think it's a great result for West Ham. I
2: guarantee from now, if we beat West Ham, we won't finish lower than six. Because if we beat West Ham, we'll finish above West Ham. We're two games behind them. We've got the Brighton game before that as well. So I'm hoping that by this time next week, we're sitting above West Ham in the table with two games spare on them.
0: So speaking of the table, I'm having a look at it now. And it's not looking amazing from my point of view, I won't lie. But we've obviously got a couple of games in hand. I think the most concerning factor is the fact that Arsenal are on a bit of a run at the moment. And they're not looking like slowing down anytime soon. Are you still keeping a half an eye on that fourth spot or have you all but given up hope on
2: that now? I think to finish fourth in any season in the Premier League, you need to have 72 plus points. So we'd effectively need to win 10 of our remaining games or nine games in a draw to get it. We've only got 11. <laughs> yeah. So I think it's too much to ask for at this point. Arsenal can finish above mm. us this season. They can crow about tottering Totteringham's Day or whatever they call it because that's how small-time Arsenal are. <laughs> Always obsessed with us despite all the glory they've had, and that's fine. They'll still have done nothing. Great. They'll get fourth and get knocked out in the last 16 of the Champions League next season while we continue to be Spurs. It's fine. Neither side has much to crow about right now, and if that manages to make half of North London happy... Good luck to them. I guess they don't have much else going on in their lives. He doesn't sound bitter at all, does he, Dave? Not at all.
0: Would you take sixth now if I offered it to you?
2: No, because we can still do better than sixth.
0: <laughs> yeah. yeah, but if, is sixth any better than fifth, realistically? I mean, because how does it work? I mean, I always forget where the line is. When, it we depends who the wins, wins what Conference cups League. and whatever.
2: Yeah. I, mm. As far as I'm concerned, I want us to finish as high on the table as possible. I think fourth is probably... Touch out of reach. I think fifth is realistic. I think sixth is the bare minimum from the position we are currently in. I would say that at the point of Nuno's sacking, that would have seemed more of an achievement. But I think right now with what we've seen we're capable as well in certain fixtures, you'd have to hope that we can get the sort of twenty two, twenty-three odd points necessary yeah. from this point to give us a six point finish. I mean. Hmm. I'd be disappointed with anything less.
0: If it's starting to look like we might be in the Europa Conference League again, do we start throwing games deliberately?
2: No. Jesus Christ, what have we won (laughs) in... in I was joking for the
0: record, Elio. I wasn't being that serious.
2: I know, but I'm not too proud for the Europa Conference League. At the end of the day, (laughs) someone's going to win it and I'd much rather us win that than someone else and us winning nothing. If that's the best we can do, then great, let's try and win it. We didn't do very well this year, did we? No, not no, too proud for enough. that.
0: No, okay. Fair enough, fair enough. Right, um, now I'd
2: take winning a wooden spoon race.
0: Just a quick question. At the risk of going down a rabbit hole, how much are we enjoying the current shenanigans around Chelsea Football
2: Club? It's hard to say you enjoy something that's the result of tens of thousands of people being murdered, but... Wow, well,
0: taking it in isolation.
2: I think I don't want to see Chelsea fold, because... Chelsea existed before Roman Abramovich, they're a very Mm. old club who, whatever we might say, do have a history, who had won competitions before, not as big a history as us pre-Abramovich, but they did have a history, Mm. they do have loyal fans, scumbags though those fans may be primarily made up of. However, (laughs) I do think that their fans who, listen, Abramovich and his ties to Putin have never been a secret a and secret. especially not in the last few years but it wasn't a secret 20 years ago either it's just that the Premier mm. League turned a blind eye because money was coming in Chelsea fans turned to blind eye because it saved them from going under and they won a lot of tin pots so I think Chelsea being met with some kind of relative obscurity. Listen, it's not going to be obscure obscurity. They're not going to end up sort of going under. They're not going to go down. They're not going to suddenly become a non-entity, but they are going to have trouble for a bit. And I think Mm. that there's an element of karma about it. And I think that the fans who were happily lapping up silver-coated in blood will have their just desserts when they're watching a side with three seventeen 17-year-olds in defence next season because all their current centre-backs' mm. contracts are expiring.
0: I suppose trying to be a grown-up about it, I mean, it's easy to look at all the clips of some of these horrible Chelsea fans and the racist ones pushing the black guy off a train and the guys on tour smashing up a restaurant and all this stuff. And you think, like, yeah, Chelsea fans are horrible, but I'm, I'm sure, jokes aside, the majority of them aren't, like, that. and there are some some our generation that remember the days of Viali and Di Matteo and Dennis Wise and whatever
2: and you know so I've been to most grounds in the Premier yeah. League at the moment uh, of of the current and, and I think most of sort of the bigger clubs in English football are in the Premier League right now and I've been to I've been to Allen Road I've been to Villa Park I've been to obviously yeah uh, Old Trafford, Goodison, Anfield etc the only stadium I have ever felt unsafe at walking to the stadium as an away fan was Stamford Bridge. Wow. And that was with full police escort on the walk to the station. Mm. This isn't just a few thugs giving the club a bad name. They were literally... On either side of the path, we were going down with broken bottles and knives, hissing and swearing at Jesus. all of us and being threatening towards us. This was 15, 20 years ago. Me and other children in there as well. Like It was, mm. it was vile and frankly, I have no sympathy with any one Chelsea fan who gets their heart broken by anything bad that does happen to Chelsea in the coming months. No, not one bit. Dave, do you echo that? Yeah. (laughs)
0: <laughs> <laughs> you two basically said the exact same thing there, just in slightly fewer words. It's interesting to see what's going to happen. If nothing else, just from a sort of morbid curiosity, because I think they can't do anything, can they? They can't offer new contracts, and there's a few players that are about to run out of contract. That are, you know, big players for them, and they can't sell tickets, so they're going to have. There's this potentially they're going to go to an away game. Is it against Leon? I can't remember. And they're going to have no way of getting there because they can't pay enough to get a private jet. A so they'll have they'll to like get on a commercial flight with a bunch of you know.
1: A way, I don't know how, but they'll have a gentleman's agreement with a very expensive law. I, I mean, they've already they won't pay until everything's fine, and it will yeah. be fine eventually because good people never win in this kind of thing. So, mm. yeah, they'll work it out, and it'll be, yeah, depressingly not, yeah as bad as it could be.
0: They're not going to go under. I think they've already been given some kind of qualified permission to sell the club now and I think they're going to worm their way out of it some way, unfortunately, but never mind.
1: I'm thoroughly enjoying Tuchel wiggling on the, uh, what is it, wiggling on the hook. I think he's doing (laughs) all right, you know. I
0: think considering he's just been thrust into the role of club spokesman. It's
1: it's almost almost like a uh, denial-off between Tuchel and Eddie Howe. <laughs> Eddie Howe today, did you hear about today? It, just, it, it, it was asked a couple of questions about something that I'm sure you can find out in much more established, much more news-based podcasts. And his response was, I just focus on the football. Okay, cheers, Eddie. Yeah,
0: they just need to hire Manuel from Forty Towers. Be like, I know nothing. <laughs> I, uh, know <laughs> exactly. Most important question of the week, obviously, the huge debate. Are there more wheels or doors in the world? <laughs> Did you I mean, see that video? I was, in,
1: I was I, yeah, I'm not entertaining oh this cupboard doors. Who thought? Yeah, you haven't considered the cupboards. <laughs> yeah.
0: At first, I thought that's a ridiculous question. It's obviously doors, and then I started thinking about it. I went back and forth about twelve different times to the point where I've just, I've just now, I've, I've given up. I don't, I don't care. Terrible,
1: Terrible for podcasting. I no longer care. <laughs> terrible for podcasting but I did what I'm about to do right now and I'll tell you in in a minute when I've done the counting I looked in the room that I am for the number of doors and the number of wheels that I have in the door outside just to to get an understanding I'm going to do that now you talk amongst yourself you keep doing it that's fine
0: in the meantime I'm just going to take this opportunity while Dave is counting all the wheels and doors in his room just to thank everyone who has been listening as always it's amazing to have so many listeners and in fact our last episode a couple of weeks ago now after the Leeds game was our most listened to ever episode since since we've begun which broke the record of the previous week so we're, we're really coming along and, and you know a cynic might say it's because we just beat in Man City and then won 4-0 but I like to think it's because of the ever-improving quality of our amazing podcast and I'm sure you would agree Elio right we're awful <laughs> I I do think we're getting less professional, that's for sure. But uh, but in all seriousness, thank you to everyone who's listened. And I hope it continues to go in the right direction. And I won't be too heartbroken if we have a slight dip after a loss against Man United. But hopefully you guys will come back after a couple of weeks off and
1: you enjoy today. I I am thankful for all my fans. (laughs) Yeah,
0: Yeah, Elio thinks everyone's listening solely for him.
1: And the reason we're all listening, nine doors, 12 wheels. well wow
0: that's a turn up for the books that is a shock result so yeah get in touch let us know if you think there are more doors or wheels in the world or if you think that Harry Winks should be fired into the sun out of a cannon or if you think that the Chelsea situation is hilarious or just any general observations on Spurs and our results and our upcoming games your predictions where you take for the season and anything Tottenham related anything anything related you know what we're, we're not fussy just ask anything you want and if it's appropriate to air we'll try and answer it so get in touch with us on social media at plusdaypodcast and Twitter and email us at plusdaypodcast at gmail.com before we go into challenge elio this is what you've all really been waiting for and by waiting for i mean probably forgot about and are now going to be shocked and disappointed that i'm reminding you of it listeners from two weeks ago will remember that we put together a leeds and spurs combined 11 with the caveat that we had to have at least five from each team and just to remind everybody the team was a conte-esque three five two of sorts With Nigel Martin in goal, a back three of Woodgate, Ferdinand and King. David nodding his head at this excellent team. Midfield two of Calvin Phillips and Luka Modric with Bale on one wing and Walker as the other wing back. With David Ginola, Mark Viduka and Harry Kane as an outstanding front three. What a team. What a team. Very well balanced. We put the team out on Twitter, but what I've kept under wraps is how good that team actually is, because I went to the effort, this is how sad I am and how much free time I have, of creating this (laughs) team based on historic data from football managers gone by on this year's Football Manager 2022. Get a job. As well as I could, yeah. (laughs) I should also clarify, I do have a full-time job aside from this podcast, so... Maybe not not once your
2: boss listens to this episode. (laughs) 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 <laughs>
0: so I put the team into this year's football manager I unceremoniously deleted Norwich football club uh, sorry about that Norwich um, it's gonna and I happen also... in two
2: months anyway
0: exactly exactly and I also took You'll like this, Dave. I also took Manchester United out of the Champions League for the purposes of shoehorning our team plus Dave SC into there. Our manager is Antonio Conte with his very able deputy assistant manager, Joe Brooker, of course. The chairman sure. is one Elio Piliotis, a very loyal, slightly insane businessman who bought the club. Has no ties to the Kremlin whatsoever. <laughs> and uh, we put the team into the 21-22 season. And see how they did. So, I would like you guys to try and predict how you think that team did in all competitions in their first season. Dave, first, what do you think? What's your predictions? Second. Interesting. Do you think they got a trophy? One trophy. Yeah, which one? Which one are you going to yeah. go for? League Cup. League Cup. Elio, how do you think that team did? I'm going to say a League and Cup double. Ooh. Ooh. Which Cup?
2: Viduca Golden Boot. Oh, if you say League and Cup double, it's the FA Cup. Always. The
0: only cup that matters
1: until we win the League Cup again. Until you win the other yeah. one.
0: Yeah. Okay. so And Dave, you're going with the Viduka for the Golden Boot, are
1: you? Oh, yeah. If you've honestly put his stats <laughs> from, from like C1, <laughs> CM or 102. I did. They, he was the greatest striker in the world. I
0: have a sneaking suspicion that football manager stats have been slightly muted over the years and have slightly come down oh, yeah, some like, of the players like, from I those older games... I think games.
1: Kane's probably got about 17 for finishing on the new FM, but mm. Badoukka had 20 for heading and jumping and finishing. Possibly.
0: I should add, I didn't have access to some of the hidden stats, such as injury proneness, and I tried my best to keep it fair, so it's safe to say... The centre-backs didn't play every game with had Ledley King and Jonathan Woodgate in there. In fact, I made up the rest of the squad with a selection of youth players from each team. So we had like Gellhart, we had Skip in there, we had Tanganga, we had um, Strike, Strouk? Strouk.
1: Oh yeah, didn't I say Strouk? I bet Strouk Yeah, plenty of game time player of the the season. So, So there's a little bit of rotation
0: in there, but there was a squad to speak of. At Christmas, the team went flying ahead and were top of the league halfway through the season. They made it to the final of the Carabao Cup, which they won. There you go. They won the Carabao Cup. Unfortunately, they were not so lucky in the FA Cup. They drew Manchester United in the third round (laughs) and lost in a horrible game, which of course Manchester United were one of their fiercest rivals along with Arsenal in what is officially on the database called the Scum Derby. So they lost that, which was a horrible day for the fans. However, they picked it up, made it through to the quarterfinals of the Champions League and were knocked out by RB Leipzig. Which was a disappointing day, but as the season went on, they had a lot of injuries, a lot of defensive injuries in particular. A day before the final day, they secured the title with ninety-one <laughs> points. So, yeah, they won a
1: league and cup double. There you go. Not so, the cup
0: you said earlier, but look, a league cup double. We're
1: su- obviously we're obviously supporting the right teams, I guess.
0: <laughs> I mean, when you look at that team, it would almost be shameful if they didn't win. I think I feel like they should have done a bit better and secured the league more quickly. Which another um, did you of,
2: use? Ninety-seven, ninety-eight.
0: I think so. I think so.
1: Who got the best average rating? That's what we well, we're Well, no, about. that's Come that's on.
0: what I'm, I'm going to say now. So if you bear with me, I'm just going to go on to the squad and have a look. So Dave, you correctly predicted that Mark Viduka got the golden boot with a stunning 36 league goals.
1: <laughs> dwarfing
0: Harry Kane's total.
1: He was at Ellen Road for the first time in a long time. On, was he? On, on Thursday. And there we yeah. go.
0: So yeah, in terms of goals... In all competitions, Mark Viduka got 51. Kane got 36 assists. The top assist maker? Any guesses? Bale. Yep, Bale with 26 assists and 19 goals to boot. (laughs) David Ginola got 23 goals and 23 assists, and I believe, I believe was runner-up in the Ballon d'Or, which was not, which was not won by Mark Viduka. It was won by. Someone like Lukaku or something ridiculous, which you know, does call into question the accuracy of football manager. But, but anyway, I'm, I'm just looking at the squad now and it's hilarious because there's only one player in the entire squad who is unhappy. And it's Danny Rose. <laughs> 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 well, let's see what's wrong with Danny Rose. He wants to go out on loan to help secure a permanent move. Oh, Danny. Oh, dear. I didn't even have to edit his hidden stats. So, yeah, there have you Milan have it. Um, have Milan called yet? Have
1: Milan called yet?
0: average rating was obviously Viduka by a fair distance but uh, yeah they didn't run away with the league but they definitely won it and considering the squad depth issues and the fact that they only had kids on the bench I think they uh, they did pretty well so there you have it that was our little Good experiment last. so um who knows maybe we'll do some other experiments in the future because I, I enjoyed that it probably took a lot more time than I would care to have met but it was a lot of fun so yeah I think all that's left really now is challenge Elio which is going to be a slightly abridged one this week partly because it's just Dave against Elio which doesn't really feel fair and also because we had a lot to talk about so I did actually have a question to start things off which is a very Spurs focused question which I'll we'll just run through quickly rather than actually make it the official thing I'm just curious Elio how well you remember this I've got the lineup from Maurizio Pochettino's first league game in charge which was actually against West Ham Okay. and I'm just curious to see how many of the team you can name I won't make you try and guess Dave because you know you've got better things to do but uh, Elio what do you, re- what do you reckon how, how what do you think you can do on that?
2: I don't think I'll get all of them. There's a lot of change mm. that season. Bentaleb and Mason came into the team after it, and yeah. things like that as well. But they, like Mason, certainly didn't start the season. Kane certainly didn't. But he did come on and assist our winner in that game for one. Eric, he did. Dyer. So we, good. he could. We, we, we had a ninety-third minute. We had a sending off that day, and the player that got sent yep. off, which is how I know he was on the pitch, was Carl Norton.
0: That's correct. Never ceases to amaze me.
2: In goal was Hugo Lloris. Yep. Left back, I think, was probably Danny Rose.
0: Yeah, he was probably unhappy as well.
2: Um, quite. At centre back, I believe we had.
0: Well, you mentioned one of them already.
2: So Dyer started, yeah. and I. Th- it's a case of which one he started with, whether Kabul was, he was our, fit or not. So I'm going go to yeah, so go with Kabul. Yeah, so I'm going to go with Kabul. So yeah, that's the defence. The midfield, I believe, would have been Etienne Capoue.
0: That's correct. Um, You've mentioned one of the others. Nabil right? Bentaleb. That's right. I mean, we've come a long way since that midfield, haven't we?
2: Absolutely. And then going forward into the attack, I think Chadley would have been on the pitch.
0: No. You're no. doing so well. You're doing okay. so no, he didn't. He's not on the bench either.
2: So, uh, okay. Um, so It was a 4 2 one So, so Ericsson would 3. have been on the pitch. Yep. Lamella.
0: Yep. The predecessor to Romero.
2: Andrus Townsend?
0: He did come off the bench. Oh,
2: he came off the bench. He didn't start. Good old five head. All right. <laughs> so I've got two wrong so far. So I know all started yeah. up front. He did. Um, yeah. So he was, came off four. was the final player? If it wasn't Townsend and it wasn't Chadley, was it Musa Dembele?
0: No, we're looking for a winger now because oh. this is part of the front three. Aaron Lennon? The, the three behind. It was Aaron Lennon. Very good. That's okay. very impressive, Elio. Very impressive. And yeah, I just figured since we're playing West Ham and it was against West Ham and also a lot of chat about Pochettino, the guy who managed to get Winks and Sissoko to a Champions League final is obviously the reason PSG went crashing out
1: against Real Madrid. But Twitter's going to Twitter. Apparently PSG fans today were booing you every time Messi and Neymar got the ball. Jesus.
0: And we think we're entitled. <laughs> god, yeah. I mean, it's it's a bit of a mess, isn't it? It does call into question how many of those players can you have in one squad. <laughs> I bet that team does a lot better on football well, manager than it does put on a in football life. manager FIFA. To find out. Yeah. <laughs> oh, god. Dave, don't give me ideas.
1: That's probably what Leonardo does, to be honest, at the start of every season, and start start of the transfer window. Right, okay. Let's yeah. do some FM he mu- simulation. He must be an avid FIFA
0: player, I imagine, because um, yeah, PSG are rather good on that game. So yeah, I just thought it'd be interesting to have a little look back and see how far we've come. And also, it's worth mentioning, you know, look at that team compared to the team that we ended up with under Pochettino and how much he improved it in after a few years. So basically the message is, have a little faith, have a little patience, Spurs fans, because you know it could be worse and it could get better. Right let's wrap up with the Who Am I it's not the most challenging one this week for obvious reasons and Bet you are impressed I remember Dettie and I'm impressed with all of it Elio I'm always impressed but somehow you keep on impressing me and I would have really struggled because I was slightly surprised by a lot of those names because you think of Pochettino you think of his good teams right you think of the Champions League final you think of that year so onto the Who Am I game and in case it's obvious if you're new the Who Am I game is a game in which I describe a current or former Spurs player with a series of clues and the guys taking turns to try and guess who I'm talking about and Dave is. Naturally good at it generally, so he needs a win after two weeks ago, after last episode, because he uh was heartbreakingly defeated by Elio at the very last question, not for the first time. How are you feeling about today, Dave?
1: I'm guessing the name of a player who played for a team that I don't support. Yep, and you're Something guessing against lose.
0: someone who just named that same team from eight years ago lose. flawlessly. <laughs> I can't lose. There you go, you're good, right? Who wants to go first?
1: Let Dave go first. Go on,
0: Dave, you go first, right. I have won four international caps. Ian Walker. It's not Ian Walker. Next clue. I have scored 10 goals for Spurs. Elio?
2: And a second. I'm trying to write these down. So four international caps.
0: Yeah. And 10 goals for Spurs. Uh, I love that Elio always tries to seriously guess based on absolutely nothing. <laughs> like at the beginning of this. Are these
2: league goals or are these goals overall?
0: I don't remember.
2: Fucking fantastic! If you're
0: new to this podcast, this is a tradition for <laughs> Challenge I don't. I, I put a lot more effort into simulating football manager squads than I do into the yeah, actual don't podcast. Ask the, don't ask the no, don't Elio. Just, just it's go. Not with worth it. 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 I mean, um, it doesn't
1: matter. Doesn't Michael Dawson?
0: For fuck's sake, it is Michael Dawson. Oh, <laughs> nice work, Elio.
1: That, that's excellent. excellent. That's ridiculous. <laughs> That's just that's ridiculous.
0: It's Michael Dawson.
1: If you would have said league goal, you wouldn't have guessed that. <laughs> no, no, exactly, yeah.
0: So I gave Elio no more than two clues, one of which he criticised and he well, we still managed quick, to get. We wanted a quicker game, didn't we? Didn't... I mean, <laughs> quick yeah. game's a good game. Uh, that, that was my intention. I didn't expect it to be quite that quick. Other clues I am six foot two inches tall. I've played for three English clubs. I scored for Spurs in a win over Chelsea. Elio, can you tell me that game?
2: Ah, uh, yeah, that was the first time we beat Chelsea in God knows how long. It was under Martin Yolin, I want to say the two thousand and six, two thousand no, the two thousand right? yeah, six, yeah, two thousand and seven season. Yeah. And he scored the equalizer before Lennon went and scored the winner. He did. Who scored for Chelsea? Uh Makalele from a Thunderbolt <laughs> just after Ledley King oh, made the best tackle outrageous. you've ever seen outrageous a thunderbolt or a th- oh, on, uh, a on Robin, yeah 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 it was right was on, on robin, so yeah, ledley yeah, yeah. king made like i said best tackle you've ever seen on robin made up about 20 yards on one of the fastest players in the world football at that time tacked that out for a yep. corner corner got headed clear to Makalele, who hit a first time volley straight into the back of the nets and we still beat him i have a feeling john terry got sent off that day as well that's I
0: mean, I, I don't I don't remember that from my notes, but he may well have he done. He
1: seems like such a nice fellow. <laughs> he yeah.
0: does, doesn't he? Not at all like Chelsea Football Club. Uh, and the other clue would have been, I have been named Tottenham Player of the Year. Oh, sorry, there was one more clue. I have won the Championship Playoff Final. The whole. So there okay. you go. Later on in his career. So that's Michael Dawson. A bit uh, hard done by to only get four international caps, do you think?
1: No, that's far too many. There were
2: a lot of good centre-backs. Yeah. He was far too many in our guys. Team. Guys, Come on. Come on, far too many. <laughs> He was playing at the same time as Rio Ferdinand, Ledley King, Sol mm. Campbell, still at the latter end as well. I mean, John Terry, yeah. obviously, um, then mm. he was not in that ilk.
0: Fair enough, but still a Spurs legend, nonetheless, and excellent pundits, I would say or at least an entertaining one. Brilliant. Well, I think that might be a new record for the Who Am I game. I think Dave's had some pretty special ones, but that was another level together. And I'm horrified and impressed in equal measure, as I always am with you, Elliot, (laughs) in this section of the podcast. So uh, I think that's just about enough. That's probably plenty for this episode. We've more than made up for the week off. And let me take this opportunity to thank everyone for listening as always. And to thank both of you guys for making this possible. Couldn't do it without you. First of all, Dave, I will come to you. How are you feeling about football at the moment? I feel like we start every single podcast with... With, i hate football are you looking at the bright side at the moment
1: um oh yeah i don't hate football but football in the last two weeks has been shown to me what it really is which is a little bit <laughs> harmless uh if, you, if, if you're it's being a bit brutal, isn't it? but king is dead long live the king exactly
0: and elio how are you feeling you haven't given up hope altogether you're still going to come back next week still going to watch more spurs
2: i'll feel great after wednesday and then terrible after sunday because that's how our form's <laughs> going at the moment I'm alright. Like I said, in my mind, anything barring a complete capitulation that plunges us into the bottom half, and this season is what it is, this is just one big pre-season for next season as far as I'm concerned. There we go an expensive way to do it as a fan it it really is especially for you
0: (laughs) well look we all hope you join us next week where we will be talking about both of those games because we're not going to record until probably the Monday after the West Ham game because Elio's got his 12-hour journey home we look forward to that hopefully we win at least one of those games but until then stay classy Spurs fans and we will see you next week